Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Sunday, November 13th, 2016. This is my very first audio recording, a podcast, and I'm excited to be able to share in this new format. But I have to admit, this is a big stretch, a very big stretch, because I'm pretty sure I was not God's first choice for this assignment, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't his second or third or way on down the list. Because when it comes to speaking skills, I've never had any. Heaven must be getting pretty desperate to assign something like this to someone like me. I will say at least I've been consistent consistently terrible any time I've tried to speak in public, which is why I've learned to just keep quiet, let someone else do all the talking. When I was in school, I was the guy who never said a word in class discussions, because whenever I tried, the words just escaped from me, and that gets very old. But I'm being stretched in two directions at the same time, because on the one hand, I feel compelled to do this, while on the other hand, it feels like mission impossible. I think I know what the Apostle Paul felt when he said, I'm compelled to share this message, and I'm miserable if I don't. So if this works, it'll only be because God made it work, because without Him, this is truly impossible. So here we go. Our topic today is the coming invasion but not the Russians or Chinese invading America. This is about heaven invading earth. And to help with our discussion, Z3 News contributor Rachel Baxter will be joining us in about half an hour. So what the heck is the invasion of heaven? It probably sounds strange to a lot of people because we don't hear much about it. We sure don't hear about it watching Fox News or CNN or any other news programs because they're not covering this story even though it should be one of the biggest news stories on the planet because it affects the lives of so many people. Yet we're witnessing a total media blackout. Author and minister Kat Kerr has visited heaven many times and written two books about her experiences there. One of them's called Revealing Heaven. She reported, Heaven's coming invasion of earth is the number one most talked about topic in all of heaven. Isn't it interesting, it's the number one most talked about topic in all of heaven, but here on earth, it's hard to find anyone talking about it. There's definitely a disconnect between what's happening in heaven and what's happening here. Even on Christian television channels, hardly anyone talks about this. They devote more airtime to reruns of Little House on the Prairie and Roy Rogers than they do this. But I believe God wants us to get in line with what heaven is talking about. I believe he wants his people to hear about it, to know about it, think about it, meditate on it, and enter into it. Because we're the generation who will usher in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're the generation who will align with heaven and become like one body on earth. God has a plan for each of us to be part of this great end time drama. So we're going to talk about this today starting with what the Bible says about it. Then I want to share what God has shown some modern-day prophets. And then finally, I want to share what God has shown me, and Rachel Baxter has some amazing testimonies about what God has shown her. Ephesians 5.27 tells us the Lord Jesus is not going to come back to earth for a church with spots and wrinkles, 
but for a church that's holy and blameless, so that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory. For that to happen, there must now arise in the earth a righteous remnant of holy people. The prophet Isaiah saw the glory of God arising on these holy ones during a time when darkness would cover the earth and deep darkness would cover the nations. At that time, he saw the light of God arising upon his people, which caused his glory to appear on them like a radiant light that would cause people and even kings to be drawn to them. Just as the Israelites plundered the wealth of Egypt as they came out of bondage, these holy ones will plunder the wealth of the nations as God brings glory to his house. You can read more about that in Isaiah chapter 60. The Lord's not coming back for a ragtag group of defeated people, barely hanging on for dear life. Before he returns, his holy ones must arise, and they are arising right now. He's going to have an army of proven soldiers, refined by the fires of adversity, filled with the life of God. Operating on full power, running at full throttle, doing what no one else in this world will be able to do, and that is to stand against the onslaught of darkness and wickedness, which has already started covering the earth now. This righteous remnant will walk uprightly before God in holiness and purity, living vessels filled with the glory of God manifesting and demonstrating His glory because they've learned to draw their power from a source that's not of this world. This end-time army will fulfill what the prophet Joel saw when he said, In the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. That's Joel 2, verse 28. That which began on the day of Pentecost will come to full manifestation in these last days, which is why Jesus prophesied about them, saying, He who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. That's John 14, verse 12. Joel saw this mighty army would be unlike anything the world has ever seen or ever will see after them. He saw them running like war horses, like mighty men, leaping on the tops of mountains, climbing walls like soldiers, marching in perfect step, never breaking ranks even when they burst through the enemy's defenses. He saw them rushing on cities, running on walls, climbing into houses, entering through windows like thieves. He saw this end-time army of the Lord, the very same people who are alive right now, living on the earth. Their story has already been written, and they will fulfill their destiny. You can read more about that in Joel chapter 2. They're the ones the prophet Haggai saw when God said he would fill his house with glory, and the latter glory of his house would be greater than the former. That's Haggai 2, verses 6 through 9. The former house refers to the temple of Solomon, which was filled with so much wealth, all of his drinking vessels were made of gold, 
None of them were made of silver because it wasn't considered valuable in the days of Solomon. That's 1 Kings 10 verse 21. The glory of Solomon's temple was so heavy when the priest came from the holy place, the cloud of God's glory filled the house of the Lord so much that the priests were not able to stand up. They were unable to minister because the cloud of God's glory filled the house and it was too strong for them to handle. Yet Haggai saw in these last days the glory and riches of the latter house would exceed what happened in Solomon's temple. That's 1 Kings 8 verses 10 through 11. The end of this age is upon us. And with it comes the great harvest that Jesus prophesied in Matthew 13, verse 39. The glory of God is going to manifest in and through his people, and it's going to draw multitudes of lost souls to salvation. They're going to want what these people have. They're going to want the peace, the joy, the liberty, the fellowship, and the love of God, which they see in them. No more will young people want to follow after pimps and drug dealers because of their nice cars and fine clothes. But they'll look upon the people of God with amazement and say, Surely there's a reward for the righteous. Surely there's a God who judges on earth. That's Psalm 58 verse 11. Heaven is going to invade the earth. Not only was it seen by the prophets of old, but many prophets today have seen it too. Dr. Robin Harfush from Miracle Faith Apostolic Global Church, which is online at globalrevival.com, saw the Lord in a vision, and she shared this word from God. Then the Lord brought me close to him, and he began speaking directly to me. He said, There is coming a move of God in the earth where the saints in heaven and the saints in earth will unify at that time, the heavens will open and the glory of God will fill the stadiums or churches or wherever my people are meeting. Every eye will be trained on the wheelchair sections and the stretcher sections and on those who have amputated limbs and need body parts. I will show myself alive. The enemy, the devil, has been able to counterfeit my work. But there's one thing he cannot do. He cannot create. He can falsify and he can give a phantom. He can give an illusion of a healing, but he cannot create a body part. I am the creator, and there's only one creator. So in this time, my body in heaven and my body in earth will become one. Then heaven opens, and all of these amazing miracles will pour out of heaven through my body. It will not be on the great man of God or the great woman of God, but it will be the body with every part, every joint supplying their part. The eyes of the world will be trained and focused on that creative miracle. Another prophet, Dr. Jonathan David, has also seen the coming invasion of heaven. Dr. David is Malaysian, and he ministers with a strong prophetic anointing. He's authored several books, and his website is jonathan-david.org. He shared this prophetic word, Heaven and earth will begin to kiss together. Heaven will begin to come down and invade the place. Because where his people dwell, he will dwell. And it's going to become the hot spot. Another prophet, Terry Bennett, has also seen it. He's founder of Terry Bennett Ministries. 
which is online at terrybennett.net. He received this word from God, The great release of my power and authoritative power and anointing are at hand. Yet this will not be a general body release, but a specific release, a measured release, to and through my refined ones, my spirit-trained ones, my shining ones, my prepared and ready bride. There will be a true Gideon-type army who quickly bow and drink of my depths, and who are fully alert and sober. They will be characterized by my character and fervent in their proclamation of my eternal gospel. The Lord keeps saying to me that His people are going to do unprecedented exploits. He is saying to expect the unprecedented, what has never even been written and what has never even been heard about. What we have recorded in the scriptures, but I believe we are in the final showdown here. The Lord said to me, prepare for the invasion of heaven. The unprecedented is upon us. God is going to do that which has never been done before. Another prophet, Tommy Hicks, who was an American evangelist who became famous during the 1954 Argentinian revival, received the following word from God. This is that which I will do in the last days. I will restore all that the cankerworm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, I will restore all they have destroyed. This my people in the end times will go forth as a mighty army, and they shall sweep over the face of the earth. God is going to have a perfect church. He's going to have a people that are so endued with power that it will not be an exposition of self, but it will be Christ in them, the hope of glory. I saw these people pass through the fire unburned. They crossed rivers as though there was no water there. They crossed oceans with ease. They escaped persecution as though a hand transported them from their surroundings. In spite of wild beasts roaring, being attacked by men with swords and weapons of war, nothing seemed to hinder them. They moved over mountains and down through valleys. They moved like the heart, skipping upon the hills. Their faces shone with the countenance of victors. They were conquerors. I hesitate to tell this part of the vision because it was with great trembling I received this portion of the revelation. I saw the man clothed in white, point with a scepter in his hand. Again, there was pouring forth from his hand this what I call liquid power. As soon as it would touch the person, he would have his hands bathed and dripping in the same heavenly substance. Upon receiving this anointing, they would walk into hospitals, through the streets, into the institutions, and on and on, marching throughout the length and breadth of the land. I could hear them saying, According to my word, be thou made whole. As the liquid power flowed from their hands, each one they touched was instantly healed and made whole. I saw people transported in the spirit from nation to nation. I saw them going to Siberia, to Africa, to Canada, and to the ends of the earth. I saw them literally lifted up and placed by the spirit in their respective countries. And here's another quote from Kat Kerr. She shared this prophecy. The next 15 years will be the most exciting time to be alive on this earth as a believer. There will be manifestations of miracles and signs and wonders that have never been seen before. 
Heaven has also declared they're going to empty the body parts warehouse during the greatest healing revival ever. So we see both from the prophecies recorded in the Bible and prophecies recorded from modern day people, heaven is going to invade the earth. But right now, this invasion is on hold. There are some things that have to change here on earth before heaven can come. There's a mistaken idea that God's going to do it all, regardless of what we do, but that's not true. There's a mistaken idea that all we have to do is wait for it, and heaven will come, and the Lord himself will return. But that's not true. There's a mistaken idea that God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But if that was true, then why did Jesus say, pray this way, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? There's a reason why he instructed us to pray that way, and even included it in the Lord's Prayer, which he gave us as an example for how to pray. If it was all up to God, he wouldn't need us to pray for his will to be done because he could just go ahead and do whatever he wants, just like he does in heaven. But he can't do that on earth because there's one thing that's impossible for him to do. According to Hebrews 6.18, it's impossible for God to lie. Doing that would be a violation of who he is because his whole throne is established on a foundation of righteousness. That's Proverbs 16, verse 12. Everything God does is right. So he can't lie. He's bound by his own words. He can't violate them. So when he gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth, he can't just take it away from them. They have to willingly give it back to him. That's Numbers 23, verse 19, and Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. Taking what does not belong to him without permission would be stealing, and God is not a thief. We're not waiting for heaven to come, because if it was up to them, they would have already come. They're waiting on us to prepare the way, to send out the invitation, and to call on them to come. We have to call out to God for His will to be done on earth. He's waiting for us, the offspring of Adam and Eve, to exercise our dominion by inviting him to have his way here on earth. He's waiting for us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's Matthew 6, verse 33. When we make that our number one priority, heaven will bring us everything we need. When we come into agreement with heaven, then heaven will come. When we send up a loud and decisive invitation, then heaven will come to earth. When we want heaven more than we want earth, heaven will come. But as long as we're content with what we have here, we won't have what they have there. So the cry of our heart has to be, Come heaven, come kingdom of God, come and rule and reign over us. Make us righteous, make us right with you in every area. When that becomes the unanimous cry of his people, Heaven will come and invade the earth, and the earth will never be the same again, and we will never be the same again. So we must allow God to change us, to prepare us, to bring us into alignment with His will, so that the invasion of heaven can come, and whatever hinders it can be removed. And the good news is, God is right now working in His people 
to bring these changes about that must come. He's preparing us for our individual assignments with the view of how we all fit together as one body. God has a plan, and this plan is coming to pass, and we get to be part of it. A righteous remnant, a mighty army, is being prepared right now. It's already underway, but it's almost completely hidden from the world. God has a training process that includes many tests and trials. He's like a master craftsman, applying relentless pressure that never seems to stop, using adversity, but not to destroy us. He's driving us closer to Him, teaching us to rely on Him completely. We go through things that are often unpleasant, but without it, most of us would never change or grow. So He stretches us to the very limits of what we can endure, sometimes even beyond what we think we can endure. This training process can be grueling because we make painful mistakes, but even our mistakes are part of the process to help us grow in discernment and understanding so we don't keep making the same mistakes. We can't always see God's purpose in it, but we can feel the pain, which can even bring us to the point of despair, wondering if maybe it'd be better if God would just go ahead and kill us. But God's not trying to kill us. He's molding us and shaping us like vessels of clay, refining us and purifying us with fire, burning away everything that needs to go. So all that remains is a vessel fit for His use. And we can trust His promise that He will not put on us more than we're able to bear. I want to share an example of how God helped awaken me to these things by giving me a dream, which reveals the coming invasion of heaven. In December 2015, just two days before Christmas, God gave me a very powerful dream. It's by far the most powerful dream I've ever had. And in this dream, He allowed me to go into the future and participate in meetings of believers and experience what it was like, what it's going to be like in the future. And I believe I was seeing what's going to happen when heaven invades the earth. And it was the direct result of all of us coming together as one body of believers. We were so hungry for more of God that we cried out in one voice. We longed to be right with God. We longed for God to come in to that place and be with us. We only wanted to be right with Him and be with Him. And so the presence of God came into the place and we began to be transformed in ways that I've never experienced before, but we were able to connect with one another and see, we actually could see into each other. I could see what was going on in other people and they could see what was going on in me. And not only that, but we felt it so that whatever one was feeling it spread throughout the place. So if one person felt like repenting and they began to repent or if they began to rejoice or whatever they began to do, it impacted everybody. And it was the same way around unbelievers because that, that hunger for God and that hunger for being right with God, it was contagious and it spread even to unbelievers that if they would just come in our presence, they would begin to want to be right with God and they would begin to want to repent. And there's just a power and a presence of God that would bring conviction on people. But I call this dream living the dream because everything in my life was so intensely wonderful. I had a much stronger love for my wife, literally adoring everything about her. And there was just an intensity in everything that was 
the abundant life. That's what I believe I was seeing is the fulfillment of what Jesus said, that he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. I had a heart for God. I had a genuine love for people. I was attending different meetings, and all of the meetings were packed to the max, mostly young people, teenagers and young adults, and it was standing room only. And I remember looking up into the balcony, and I could see all the seats were filled, and people were seated on the floor with their feet hanging over the railing, and it made a long row of feet just dangling down. I just remember that there was such a conviction, deep conviction of sin, and deep conviction of just wanting to be right with God. And it was like no matter where we went, we just cried out to God. And I just wanted to be right with Him and put aside everything else to know Him. And that was the spirit that was on these meetings. That was the predominant theme. No matter what we did in everything we did, we just wanted to be right with God. We were all just like empty vessels for God to come and fill. And I believe what I was seeing is there's going to be no more denominational barriers and no more doctrinal differences. And all of that's just going to pass away because this righteous remnant is going to be connected together in agreement, in unity, one purpose. And that is to be right with God. And the more we hungered, the more he came and filled us, just as Jesus said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I remember at one point we were having a meeting and the place was packed out and an older man came walking down the middle aisle toward the front. And we did not know this man, but instantly we all knew that there was something that was not right with him. And he got about halfway down toward the front and he just stopped and stood there and somebody came up to him and said, what do you want? And that's all they had to say. And it was enough to completely undo him and expose him, and he felt the conviction, he felt the presence of God, and he had to make a choice. He had to either humbly break down and repent before God, or he had to get out right away. There was no middle ground. And so, unfortunately, this man, he turned around and he got out of there. But that's the kind of presence of God that was in the place that it was just such a heavy conviction that there was no way that if you had another agenda besides God's agenda, you were not going to be sticking around in that place. This was all about God having his way. Heaven had come down to earth. And I believe that's what the dream was about, was showing how the end time church is going to be connected to and be one body, not only linked together between us, but we were connected to God in a more powerful way than I've ever seen before. I believe what God gave me in that dream was a picture of the invasion of heaven, what's coming in the days ahead. And we have this to look forward to. We are going to literally have heaven on earth. And you know, there's so much talk about the schemes of the devil and the trouble that's coming. But God wants his people to know he has awesome things ahead for us, unprecedented, never before anything like it. And we're going to be part of it. We're going to be here to partake in it. And it's going to be the abundant life. And we are the people who are going to be here to be part of this. It's going to be an exciting time to be alive. Heaven on earth, unlike anything we've ever known before. So yes, God wants us to be warned about the schemes of the enemy. And yes, it's good to know about that stuff. But that's not our focus because God has great plans in store for his people. 
the trouble coming upon the earth is really not our problem. I mean, when we're in the presence of God, we're literally going to have heaven on earth, regardless of what's going on around us. It doesn't mean there's not going to be trouble. There's going to be great trouble in the world. We know that. That's what the Bible tells us is coming. But it also tells us God is going to be coming down to earth with his people. He's going to have a righteous remnant that's filled up with the presence and the glory of God. And his light and his glory is going to fill us like never before. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. That's what we have to look forward to. There were some other parts of that dream, but that's pretty much all I wanted to share on that for today. These things are not far off in the future. They're already happening right now for those who are hungry for more of God. And why is it that one person's entering into the realm of heaven while others are not? To help answer that question, I want to introduce our guest, Rachel Baxter. Since November 2015, Rachel has been a contributing author on Z3News.com, posting 21 articles and counting. She's a former engineer, a wife, and a mother of four children. A few years ago, God called her to start a school, and she stepped out and obeyed him. Today, she oversees that school, which is called Valor Christian Academy Omaha. They're online at vcaomaha.org. When I shared the details of my dream in an article on Z3News.com, Rachel read it, and she immediately sent me an email because she wanted to share how she's been experiencing the very same things with the kids and the teachers in her school. When I saw her email, I knew we had to connect and talk about this because she's a forerunner of this righteous remnant that I saw in my dream. She's already operating in some amazing gifts of the Holy Spirit. For example, God recently gave her a taste of the powers of the age to come. For one whole day, from the moment she woke up until the moment she went to bed, God allowed her to experience the supernatural realm, the realm of heaven, as she went through her daily life right here on the earth. In addition, she's had recent encounters in which she's seen the Lord Jesus. She's visited the throne room of God, and she's had angels robe her in a robe of righteousness. So she's going to share some of her experiences with us today. Rachel, thanks for joining us, and welcome to Z3 News Podcast. Thank you, James. I'm really honored to be a part of this podcast and to step into this with you. So, Rachel, before you tell us about some of these incredible encounters that you've been having, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on how you got started experiencing God in these ways? These things that I've experienced the last three years, beginning to see in the Spirit and hear in the Spirit and dreams and visions and all of that, that is not, it's, it's only for His glory. It is only for His purposes. There is nothing about me other than what, I'm just like, Lord, use me. I'm like that person in the class that's like got my hand raised. Like, me, 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 you know? <laughs> Lord, I want that. Lord, and that's what he wants. That's what he desires. He yes. said to me once, he said, Rachel, you have a contrite heart. And I didn't even know what that word meant, you know? <laughs> I had to look up, what is a contrite heart? But it, I'm like, just, I'm after him. I'm willing to go lower and I'm willing to, to be shaped. And I'm willing to trust his promises that they are good. They are all yes and amen. And if he said it, if his word says it, then that means I'm going to hold to it and I'm going to surrender. 
there, there's nothing I can do in striving to make anything happen. And you and I talked about that a little bit ago, too, about we don't want to do anything apart from God. And so the world would say, the, the world I lived in for most of my adult life, I was an engineer, I was a consultant, I had to have all the answers, you know, I was paid way more money than, than I was should have been paid, um, and we had a house, and then a, a lake house, and da-da-da-da, we had all the things of this world, and I thought that I had to do things in order to be loved. I thought that I, that was the only way to have a successful life, but what God has shown me is that none of that matters. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is if we step into who he created us to be. Well, that has to look like me laying down my life. Because all the things I chose weren't from him. And to only pick up those things that are from him. And he wants, he's the great teacher, right? Holy Spirit, why does he leave us? Leave Holy Spirit to teach us. He's beginning to show us by being there with us and teaching us what it is to live out that fruit and using the gifts of the Spirit. You know, I've only been awake, I've only been spirit-filled for three years. October 2013 is when I encountered Holy Spirit in my own bedroom while I, I cried out to Him. The first time I felt led, the first time, you know, I felt like He led me somewhere. And then over the next many months, I began to hear His voice. He began to speak to me in that still, small voice. He did speak audibly a number of times over the last three years. But that's rare. It's mostly that internal I have, you know, wakes me up, I have something to say, Rachel, write this down, kind of thing. Having dreams that are from him, visions, the supernatural life that, prior to that, my whole understanding was, yeah, I was safe. I'm not any different than anyone else that might be listening. I mean, I'm a sinner like everybody else. And even though I'd gone to church and I knew all the Bible stories, and uh, my church, the Lutheran Church, does a great job of teaching about Jesus. But what I never understood is that he's a real man, and he wants to have a, re- a real relationship with me, and that when he left, he left Holy Spirit to be here for us, with us, to always be with God, and that my church did a terrible job of ever speaking about the power of Holy Spirit and who God really is. And so the last three years for me have been a journey in, in coming into relationship with Jesus, him waking me up. Literally, you know, in the middle of the night, but in a greater sense to understand we are living in the last days. I am without a doubt, based on all the things God has spoken to me and the things I have seen in dreams and visions, and then compiling that with all the things that God has shown so many people, so many people. And James, your site does such an awesome job of giving those people a voice to share the things that God is showing them. And so here we are. So why would God have have us have an understanding? Why what would be His purpose in giving us an understanding of and wake? Why would He wake me up? You know, if I was already good to go and He was going to just come back, or we were all going to be raptured, that pre-trib rapture story, whatever. If that was all just going to happen, there was no point in waking me up. But I believe that in my own life, my life is a testimony to the truth of what you are speaking about and what these scriptures say that God has such an incredible purpose for every one of his children to step into who he always created us to be, that we would come into an understanding of who he is, and that we would even begin to be transformed into his image on this earth, building his kingdom on this earth so that he can come, and he can redeem his bride, and he can reign for a thousand years, because that is what the Bible tells us. 
So I'm fired up about this too. I'm so excited. The Lord has shown me so many hard and difficult things. And I think that he needed to show me those things so that I could understand that, no, the world's just not going to go on as it has for another 20 or 40 or 60 years or 100. It's just not. Our years are numbered. He is coming back. And that while the enemy has all these plans and there is absolutely judgment coming, his kingdom is coming to this earth. The last year, the first couple of years were about like, oh my gosh, this is the last days and oh boy, we got judgment. And then the last year has been, he still speaks those things to me and those words that I release them, I share them. And I just trust, I'm, I'm just a man, I'm totally fallible, but he's not. And so if I mess something up, he's going to, there's just no mistake I can make that he can't correct and I trust in him. And I've had to lay down my fear of man. And I think that's a huge part of coming out of the kingdom of this world and being willing to step into the kingdom of God is that we are meant to be a peculiar people, right? And so we just aren't like everyone else. And even I was reading my journal today in preparation for visiting with you. And one of the things that the Lord was just speaking to my heart was that he loves me for who he created me to be and that I don't have to be anybody else. And for so long, I thought that I did. The world would tell us that we have to be something. We have to strive under performance to be something. And the truth is that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It only matters what God thinks about who we are. And so that's what gives me the confidence just to even speak those things out and to say, you know what, this is what God's shown me. Whether you believe it or not, he's going to be the one. It's not even my job to convince anybody. It's just my job to release what he's shared. And I know you know that, James. It's just that watchman, that Ezekiel 33. You didn't share what he gives you. And you say, Lord, I trust you and the rest of it. So I would say that maybe the first time that, that I began to understand that the world wasn't what I thought it was and that what was going to happen wasn't what I had always been taught was I was driving, and this was in 2014. I was driving, and I was talking with a friend on my phone as I was driving, and then words began to come out of my mouth that weren't mine. And I said, and I, I looked at my journals and I said, I said, God is choosing to create his model for education on earth today before he returns. And I was like, whoa, why did I say that? And again, in my journey, the place God's quite given to me, the destiny I have, is he, you know, he brought me here. He's, he, and he's even said to me, Rachel, this isn't your world. I sent you here <laughs> because... I want you to prepare a place for me. I want you to prepare that. So it's like I, if I begin to think of myself as I'm an ambassador, and, you know, Corinthians says that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and so he were making his plea through us, we implore you, um, be reconciled to God. And so if I think of myself as that, it's like um, I can just trust, you know, that I am here to release what he has to, to share and to say. And so I, he called me to, the, to education, to that place of rebuilding education for our children, and so, you know, he chooses to create his, his model before he returns. I'm like, well, really? He's going to do? Why would he do that? You know, why would he do that? And I thought, well, my way would be just to, you know, have it all come crashing down. And Jesus comes and then he just builds it all. He fixes it all, right? But God, had, he could have always done everything on his own. But he, he created us for relationship with him. Our whole purpose is relationship. Or he wouldn't have ever created man. And so he wants to co-labor with us. And so then... So that was 2014, and around that same time, uh, I was at a conference, and spirit-filled conference, and again, that was all pretty new to me, and um, a lady was laughing in front of me, and she kind of fell down on the floor in front of me and reached up and grabbed my hand and, and like, pulled me down to her and looked me in the eyes, and she said, 
you were going to have joy in all circumstances. And I like, I, at that time, I laughed, but not out of joy. I thought, she doesn't know my life. She doesn't know how hard my life is. She doesn't know how broken, at that time, my marriage was, how I felt like a failure as a mother, how even this this whole uh, vision for uh, creating a school and all of that, how hard all that was, it wasn't coming together. And I thought, she just doesn't know. What a, what a lie. But I clung to that because I did believe it was from the Lord. And I said, you know, as I cried out to him, I'm like, Lord, how can that be? How could we actually have joy in all circumstances? And since that time, I believe that he's begun to teach me about what it is to live out our life. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the reality of that there is a way to live where our peace and our the, that place of rest that's happening, it doesn't come externally. So as we know the shakings are coming and this disaster here happens, and this earthquake here happens, and this attack of war happens here, and this plague, you know, all, all those things that are happening. And you say, well, how could we ever be okay through all that? The place that God wants to bring us to is that we have rest inside of us that place of our spirit man that lives inside of us is connected to Jesus all the time. That we are connected to that. Our rest and our peace comes from that alone, our joy, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the fruits of the spirit is joy. And that that joy is there and accessible to us no matter what's going on around us. But we have to first learn to be anchored in him. And so the enemy, the world, would say, yeah, that's not possible you know, you, you can't be like Jesus on this world. And I'm not saying, I know there even are ministers or pastors that say that they, they are they believe, and I respect them, that they are have, are learning to live a sinless life. And I'm like, yes, Lord, show me that. I will tell you, I am not there today. You know, I'm still, I'm just a broken person. I'm laying down my life. I screw up and I ask the Lord to forgive me. And I know he does. People hurt me and I ask God to help me forgive them. And he does. And so in that way, I'm able to continually reestablish that connection with him to forgiveness and repentance, but it's not that it's there all the time. So, but I think there's a promise there. So, so what you were speaking about, that, um, that spotless bride, you know, that he really is coming back for that spotless bride. It's a living out of a place of righteousness. So the other thing too is, you know, I'm not anybody special, okay? Not apart from God. I'm just like every other person, but I love the Lord, and I am so desperate for His kingdom to come, and I want to understand. I pray every day for revelation and understanding of what His kingdom looks like. Yes, to everything you just said. I think you just gave us a lot of great keys for doing what the lady told you about having joy in all circumstances. You said when she told you that, it didn't make sense, and you wondered, how can that be possible? I believe a lot of us struggle with that same apparent contradiction because we know according to the Bible, just as the angel Gabriel told the prophet Daniel, there's a time of great distress coming upon the world unlike anything that has ever occurred. So we know what's coming. It's written in Daniel 12 verse 1 and Jesus warned us about it and he predicted it would be preceded by what he called birth pangs that lead up to the time of his return. So throughout the Bible, God has warned us about the days we're living in right now. But we have to be careful not to get too focused on the darkness and evil, which is why I mentioned that when I was talking about my dream. I've noticed in some of the comments posted on C3news.com, whenever I talk about living the abundant life 
and overcoming and prevailing against the darkness that some people are struggling with that. And I think they've gotten so focused on the trouble that they've lost sight of who's on our side. Yes, there's great trouble coming. And yes, Satan is scheming to do all kinds of evil things. And God is even going to allow him to have his brief time to do some things. But none of that really matters, though, because God is on our side and he's with us. If we learn to tap into him, we win. There's a secret place under the shadow of the Most High, and we can go there every day. We can learn to stay there with him regardless of what's happening all around us. It doesn't matter because our peace and joy doesn't come from this world. And so what we need to be doing right now is practicing and learning and growing in confidence by having daily encounters with God so we know how to get into his presence, how to enter into the realm of heaven, how to bring heaven down into the earth whenever we want and whenever we need to. And we need to be learning these things now while the world is still relatively together and peaceful so we can have confidence that we know how to get there anytime. And I'm not just talking about saying a few prayers of intercession or petition. Those are great. No problem with that. But what I'm talking about is getting a hold of God in a one-on-one encounter in which we give him all of our cares and our fears and our doubts, our worries, our burdens, and he takes them away from us. And in exchange, he fills us up with his spirit, and that causes us to be filled with peace that passes understanding and joy that you don't find anywhere else in this world. I could feel the Lord, too, as you were sharing your dream and just how you were being moved by that. Oh, that is such a promise. When he shows us something like that, we can cling to that and say, okay, Lord, I know that that's coming. You know, that that's, he really has that for everyone who's listening who says, I want to lay down my life and go after that. Oh, so I'm, it's, it's so exciting. <laughs> I agree. It is exciting because God's showing us our future, and it's awesome. The prophet Bob Jones, who passed away a couple years ago, he saw these days that are coming, and he described it as the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. It's going to be the best of times for the righteous and the worst of times for the unrighteous because the judgment of God is coming against anyone and everyone who's not aligned with his will. It's going to be heaven on earth for the righteous and hell on earth for the unrighteous. God's going to make a distinction between those who belong to him and those who have rejected him. God's going to separate the wheat from the tares. And for the righteous, I believe he wants us to focus our attention on him and on heaven because that's the secret for how we can have the best of times in spite of all the trouble and all the evil that's going on in this world. Okay, so Rachel, you had one day in which God allowed you to be something like a superhero, right? From the time you woke up to the time you went to sleep, God gave you extraordinary superpowers, supernatural powers. And that sounds like fun. Can you tell us about it? All right, here was the day. So this this summer, a couple months ago, I had a day where I woke in the morning And I knew from, even before I opened my eyes, there was something different about the day. And I opened my eyes, and it was like I had a clarity of vision. For, to describe this, when you see in the Spirit, there's different ways that can happen. It it can be um, 
where I literally see with my eyes physically, and I see something, I see colors, I see shapes, I see like an actual real angel, uh, or I'm seeing, or I see with my heart, and here this is interesting because Satan has so twisted that, you know there's that third eye, right, and that's so satanic. Well, God gave us that, he gave us an eye, but it's our spirit that's in our, in our spirit self, and that spirit self can see. And I feel like what God was doing in that day was that it was almost like my physical senses were attuned, they were stronger, my eyes were like, whatever is better than 2020. Um, but, but it was that I, I was seeing front with so much more than just my eyes. I could see everything. And I go about my days, and it's like, right now, I see in the spirit, and then I'm busy, and I don't pay attention. And I go, oh, I want to see what you're doing, Mark. Let me look. Okay. That's what I mean. I, I'm not there. I'm not living that out all the time, but I see it. I know it can be. But for this day, it's like he gave me the gift of letting that lead me instead of my physical self. Because here's the truth. We not, you know, knock on something, right? We knock on. We think, we think as human beings that this is real. What is around us is real. What God has shown me, and so many others I know, is that this isn't real. This is not as real as the spiritual realm because this is temporary and the spiritual realm is eternal. And so when we begin to lay down our physical self and we say, I'm going to let that spirit guide me. And I will tell you this. There was nothing I did the day before. I was no more righteous. I wasn't in a fasting mode. I hadn't been in prayer. All the things that are good to do that we should do. <laughs> I wasn't. It wasn't. He just got this with a gift. It was like your dream. You didn't ask for it. You didn't know. But he gave me this gift. So I, I got out of bed. It was like every carpet fiber I could see. Everything was alive. That the, the, the stories you hear when people say, oh, they've been to heaven and everything just is so incredibly, that the hues are so much brighter. Everything feels. That's what it felt like. So it was like heaven on earth. I came downstairs. I was with my children. The love I had in myself, and it was beyond my own heart. Oh, oh my gosh. I was, I was so in love with my children. And I was so in love with my husband. It was like he gave me new eyes for my husband. I just looked at him and I, you know, it was like my heart was going to burst. I loved him so much. And I will tell you, <laughs> I love my husband, but I don't always love him that much. You know, I'm, I, I, I want him. I really want him, Lord. Please help me. I was able to. <laughs> and then you said you were able to see inside of other people, like I described seeing in my dream where each of us could see what was going on inside of everyone else. Yes, yes. Later in that day, I had the opportunity to go to a wedding shower. And so as I was driving in the car, I, you know, the lights looked so crisp and clear, and the reds and yellows and all of that. When I got to be around people, it was when I walked in the room, it was what, you, what someone shared in the testimony when I would look at one person, if I look at everybody, I couldn't see it. But when I looked at one person at a time, it was like I could see into their bone marrow. But it wasn't the physical I was seeing. It was the state of their heart, their hurt, their trials, their own tribulations, those things that were keeping them from being who God created them to be. And I had the most exciting time of ministering to people. And so I believe with my heart, all of us are meant to operate their gift of prophetic to just to pray and say, Lord, what would you have me share with them? It's always going to build people up to share what God is saying mm -hmm. and never, it's never going to tear them down. And this would be like that only like it was, I didn't know their name. So I'm like, okay, Lord, well, so that's cool. I, I didn't, I didn't know every person's name, but it was like, I knew their heart. I knew them. 
and I got to minister to this mom who had I who I the Lord showed me had a son that was having issues with feeling like he was gay and you know, she felt like she was a failure. Like it was like I knew her story, you know, just like downloaded her story to me. You Lord, didn't even know this woman. I didn't know her. Total yeah. stranger, didn't know her at all. And, you know, it's just like, Lord, what would you have me say? You know, and and I spoke to her, she just began, you know, crying. Like because it was his heart for her and speaking truth into who she was as a mother and that the Lord had her son and he was going to walk with him through everything and that you know, that there was nothing she she had done wrong or it was those kinds of things. But it was like person by person, I just got to love. I got to share God's love for them and to speak into them their identity. And I think that's the time that we're entering in is that first God had to set us free. He had to say, he had to write into our hearts, who are we? What is, what is he, you know, why did he create me? And then after, now that he's done that, we know what, you know, maybe, maybe not fullness, but we know, hey, God has, he's got, we're living in an important, important time. There's so much to be done in his kingdom. We're not just to sit around and wait for it all to happen. That there is a sense of urgency that we would step into who we are, which means helping others step into who they are. That will only come about by loving the body, by forgiveness and repentance, being in a place of worship, speaking truth into each other, and laying down our own plans, surrendering and saying, Lord, how would you need me? So that's, that's where we're at and what he has in store for us. That's awesome. So that's how, that had to be fun to go to that wedding shower and just get a complete scan on each person. And I mean, they they, it had, was amazing. they had to know. They I mean, they had to know that you had no way to know that only God could have shown you these things. Yeah, and you know, this is a, this is these were most of the people there. They are a part of this. We call it the healing community. Like we've been healed, and we're so then we go out. We meet together. There is that place of community. We meet together multiple times per week. We pray for each other. It's so common. What you saw in the church, I would say that is what happens for us. Monday night, Thursday night, Saturday, you know, it's like we, we go, we meet together. We minister to each other. We always speak truth and identity, that those prophetic words. We ask the Lord what he's doing. We, we enter into a deep place of worship. His presence is there. People are healed. Um, of, of the inner and also physical I've seen so many healings I've seen hundreds of healings God is so people I laugh it's so funny oh there's you know the healing stuff for today whatever come on over I'm like you know, <laughs> God wants to heal I've seen incredible things with my own two eyes you know so that's, he, his, that fullness is coming I don't believe we're there but it's coming those words that you, those testimonies we need to grab on those and say Lord I believe those are for me Lord, show me, is there anything in my heart that is keeping me from being who you created me to be? And he will show, he's so faithful, he's so merciful, he will show and he will give you a way to break free of that. And then it's like, Lord, what do you want to do now? What do you, how do you want to use me? And he will just set us into our destiny. And so I believe this community I have that he's doing this elsewhere. If you are listening and you don't have that community, you know, reach out to Z3. That is a community of believers. And I believe God's going to start connecting us physically. You know, like you and me, James. You know, it's like being able to talk. We are of like heart. Mm-hmm. And he wants to pull us together. So one of those words talks about this severe persecution. We haven't faced that yet. But it's coming. Mm-hmm. So I'm, we are, we are, you know, months, not years. I mean, we are, we are on the cusp of severe persecution. And that, but look at what's going to happen, and that will drive us closer together. That will bring us closer together and closer to the Lord, mm. so that He can use us. Amen. And so, for that one day, 
God just granted you a taste of what's coming, and then that stayed on you for that whole day, and then <laughs> and then the next yeah. day, the next day was just back to normal again. Right. Right. I knew that when I went to bed, I just knew in my heart that I, it wasn't going to be there. And, and sure enough, I woke in the morning and I was like, oh, no more superpower, you know. But as I've shared this story with others, it's like they're, they're speaking truth into my heart that that's a promise. And so if God can do that in one day, he can do that in every day. And I'm going to keep pressing into him because I want that. Yeah. I want to be, I believe that's who he created me to be is somebody who could can speak destiny and truth into others and set them into who they are and help heal, you know, facilitate that healing the Holy Spirit wants to do so that they can be totally free. The enemy has no place. That is a great story. And then you said you had another encounter where heaven came down to earth and angels came and ministered to you and the Lord Jesus was there and they took you to heaven. You went to the throne room in heaven can you tell us about that? Oh, wow. The Lord led me to this, into this doorway, which it looked like a stone wall behind it, but I knew there was light. And so I walked through this doorway and I went into this room of light and I saw angels as far as the eye could see all at the sewing machine. And the one angel came up and she came to me. She stood and she, she literally robed me in this white, bright garment. She started with my feet. She put on like these booties <laughs> and then uh, I'm probably gonna get the order wrong right now but I wrote I always write these things down and then she put these gloves upon my hand and she put this literally a robe but it had clasped a clasp around the neck it latched on the neck and then this, she put this turban upon my head and it was like I became I you know I was transformed not because I could ever do that but because the Lord did that and then that's the very first time I ever saw Jesus when he came, basically all of a sudden he was just there and he was reaching out his hands to me. And he reached his hand and took my hand and he led me and we went and all of a sudden it was like we went through a veil and we were sitting at the foot of God. We were sitting at this huge throne and he just sat there with me. He just wanted to sit there with me and worship his father with me. And that was the experience. And I knew that that was being rolled in righteousness. And there's lots of scriptures I can't, that I, you know, I'm like, Lord, what just happened to me? And I went look to understand why is that? What a great way to learn about the robe of righteousness than to just have angels come and help you try one on, right? That sounds like a lesson it would be very hard to forget. There's a scripture on that too. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with garland and a bride adorns herself with jewels. So, Rachel, you said God directed you to start a school, and three years ago you started Valor Christian Academy Omaha. And now God's doing some amazing things in your school, and your kids are being visited by angels. So, what's happening there? So, what I'm experiencing in our school, but it's really a community. The adults that are there that God has called, they get as much out of it as the children, if not more. So all of us together, we're all understanding that our identity is in Christ alone. And he is showing us the destiny he has for every one of us. And it's different. Every one of us is like a fingerprint. He didn't ever duplicate. He, you know, there's, some, there's a replication. He'll grow his kingdom. But like every tree is different. You know, every fingerprint is different. Every eyeball. It's just incredible. So that's how he works. 
And so we're all different, but he has a destiny for every single one of us. And so as we come into that place every day, we start every single day with worship. And I think that's really, really critical. I believe he can expand that further. I believe that what he wants to see is that everything we do is an act of worship to him, whether we're doing math or whether I'm paying the bills or whatever it might be, that everything becomes worship. Because think about what it will be like in heaven. And I've seen this too. He showed me a picture uh, of worshiping with just so many people. And it's like, that's all we do all day. I remember reading that and hearing people talk about Oh, you're, you know, in heaven, you just worship all day. And I was like, bleh, sounds tiring, you know. But the reality is when everything we do is worship to him, oh, you know, oh, my gosh, praise God. How amazing is that going to be? When I ask the Lord, I, you know, just this is, this is an open-ended question. Lord, what are you doing today? This is what I heard. I am raising up a people fully given over to my purposes. I desire to grow a community of believers equipped to walk in the plans I have for them, to usher in the fullness of time, which is my son, Jesus Christ. I am releasing my spirit in great measure. It is I who will set my people free from the chains of sin and death on this earth. That, to me, what you were speaking of in the dream, what you saw, that place where sin could not stand, and in this community of believers that God has placed me and I'm just one there I'm just one of a lot of these believers you know maybe it's I don't know it's a small seat it's maybe 100 to 200 people maybe you know probably 50 people maybe just completely we're just given over we just are like yep we look crazy to the world but we don't care we just want you Jesus you know we're in that place and so then the another key component is that we're listening to the voice of God what is Holy Spirit saying and doing right now? There's scripture that says we are to be seated in heavenly places. And Jesus said, I only do what the Father is doing. And so he is teaching us. He wants to teach all of his children to see what the Father is doing and to only do what he does and to be seated in heavenly places all the time. He is teaching us how to do that. What does it look like in life to the Holy Spirit every moment? What do you want to do? What do you want to say? What is this lesson? Where do you want us to go? Um, and so often, it doesn't mean we don't have plans. We still put plans. We prayerfully put plans together, lesson plans, and plans for what our worship's going to look like. But all God breaks in. He moves. It's so exciting. It's the most exciting way to live <laughs> because we never know what God's going to do. We've had these incredible moments where all of the children are seeing in the Spirit at the same time. And there's, all, there, you know, you hear stories of, I, and, and I see in the Spirit, I see angels, when I see demons, I see those things, you know, I'm learning about what that, and why, God, why are you having me do that? Why do I feel this? But for the children, they saw all of what was happening in the spiritual realm together. And that's amazing to me. That their testimonies of each, oh, I saw that angel. Yes, I saw that same angel. This is what he was doing. Yes, he was doing this. Did you see him do this? And, and yes, the one that was flying up in the ceiling, well, why was he doing that? Well, he was doing it because of this. Like, they together, and there was about 12 of these children of different ages, they saw this heavenly experience together as if heaven came down to earth. Oh. Was this during the worship time? This was later in the day where one of, one of our leaders, one of my peers, she just felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, go into the sanctuary right now. And so she, first, the first thing has to be your hearing. The next thing has to be you're willing to surrender your own plans. Because whatever she was doing, she had to say, oh, okay, I think I'm hearing the Lord tell us to do this. And then the children have to surrender and say, okay, we'll go. And so they went together. And this was, you know, from 2.30 to 3 o'clock. 
and right before parents came to pick them up, they're seeing this heavenly experience and, and exchange. That is really awesome because, you know, there's this idea that we can't do anything. God's going to come when he comes. He's going to show up when he wants to show up. It's all up to him. There's nothing we can do. And that is just not true. There's things we do that determines whether or not he comes. And you guys are obviously doing those things. You're calling on him. You're inviting him. You're coming together in worship. You're coming together in unity. And you're obeying what God tells you to do. And as a result, you're seeing heaven coming down into the earth. The kids are seeing angels. Different kids are seeing the same angels. It sounds a lot like what I saw in my dream, where we were all together as one body. We were all seeing the same things. And that was the atmosphere that brought heaven into the earth. It's like we're always making time for the Lord, to, to for God to be God, and for Every day, you know, it's the simplest thing, but it's like, he is our God, and we are his people. How often in the Bible, he's calling, he calls out to his Israelites. That's all he's ever wanted, is a recognition of that we believe he is our God, and we are his people. And what I, as a church, right, all of these evangelicals and Protestants, we've prayed for so long, for thousands and two thousand years, since Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. That is what he's doing. Thy will, if we say, Lord, thy will be done, we are going to surrender. We're going to do your will in our lives, every one of our lives, and your kingdom come. He, ah, Lord Jesus, he wants it to come. He wants it to come, and it's just going to be, you know, so incredible. Also, like, one quick testimony was, like, we knew we were to offer Spanish, and we put it on all of our little brochures and everything, and it's like the week before school. We have no idea. Nobody speaks Spanish. <laughs> And this lady walks up to me in the church parking lot. She goes, my name's Kathy, and I just retired from teaching public school Spanish for 30 years, and God told me I'm supposed to be your Spanish teacher. Oh. Like, like literally, I was like, you got the job. <laughs> oh, okay, God, you're highly recommended by God. Got it. Okay, you can be our Spanish teacher. And so he knew all along, but if we wouldn't have trusted, if we wouldn't have stepped out in faith and put it all out there that we were going to offer Spanish, you know, we did what he asked us to do, and then he provided and it was so amazing and i could give you dozens and dozens of those testimonies so that is awesome yeah, yeah so when it's him oh it's just gonna be awesome it's so good so good okay so rachel i know god's given you insights into this topic of bringing heaven into the earth and you shared some great testimonies so we know that whatever you're doing there is working so if you don't mind, would you please go ahead now and for the next few minutes, just share with us what God's been showing you. So I'm going to share with you here in the next few minutes, kind of the, the scriptures he showed me. I was taking, taking a couple notes as, as you shared some of those. The first thing I want to do, though, this Ephesians 4. So, so as the Lord was beginning to rewrite my life, as I you know lay down my own life and all of that perfection and all of that that I thought I had to have, Ephesians 4 became a cornerstone. And for the school that he had, me and others start, um, this this is really what we live by. And I'm going to start with this and I'll come back to it a little bit. But in Ephesians 4, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's Ephesians 4.3. And then it goes on to say, there is one body and one Spirit even as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. And that, I love that because you were just speaking about that unity, you know, that we are one body, and that is 
absolutely. If we begin to, to operate underneath that, as Christ is our head and we are his body, in that scripture that it goes on to say, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I've heard people argue that this whole commission was for some other time. Here's what the word says. It says, unto the measure of the fullness of Christ. Well, guess what? We are not there yet. (laughs) We have yet to see the fullness of Christ on this earth. And so other than his living and his dying for our sins, we are not there. We are not as the Son of God unto a perfect man, Jesus. But I believe what that's saying, too, is it, it's us. It's we are his body, and there's so much more that he wants to do in his body, and he will do in his body. So let me take you a minute into Daniel. So this was this past December, December 2015, end of the year, so it hasn't been a full year yet. I was, I was again, at a different conference, and I was just, I felt like I needed to steal away and study, and the Lord brought me into Daniel chapter 2, and it was one of those study sessions where all of a sudden, like, hours had passed, and I felt like it was minutes. So those are always fun. But in Daniel chapter 2, what this chapter is about, I'm not going to read it all to you or anything, but this is about um, Nebuchadnezzar, and he has this dream. And it's the common, we've all heard it, um, about the kingdoms. And, um, you know, he, he's saying, can anyone tell me my dream? And, and Daniel says, well, give me, give me a minute. Let me go talk to my God and see. Give me some time. And then the Lord reveals to him in a night vision and then he comes and speaks to Nebuchadnezzar, you know, the entirety of the dream, and then he gives him the interpretation. And the dream then is about this image in all of the different kingdoms of the world. And so here's what he says, though. This is Daniel 2:44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Okay, so just to stop there, that right there is the promise. So even if we don't understand anything else, and I've got other scriptures that the Lord showed me from that time, if I believe this to be true, it says, and in the days of these kings, it doesn't say after, it doesn't say, well, when everything's gone, you know, then Jesus will come and set up his kingdom. It says, in the days of these kings, so it's in the end times, but he shall come and set up a kingdom, which will never be destroyed. So I believe that that is the kingdom that's a seed that begins to grow through the thousand years and that even after, you know, Satan is put away for good and the new the new, new earth comes and the new heaven comes, that that kingdom, his people, they're never destroyed. And But it also says here, it says, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. Okay, so this is super important. As I read on, it says, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And so this is exciting to me because what the Lord revealed to me in that is he spoke to me and he said, his children, we are the loose stones. So those loose stones get packed together. When he gives Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation, that stone not cut by human hands, it was Jesus, right? Jesus is that, but he's packing us together with him and that he is going to use us as we grab onto that promise, just like Daniel did. 
And so in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, it says, And I set my face unto the Lord to seek my prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And so Daniel recognized a promise that God had made. And so it was what he had made through Jeremiah for 70 years prior. So 70 years in the desolation, Daniel recognized that. And so when the Lord took me here, he, so at one point in my study, he took me here, he said, and I believe he was saying to my heart that he wants us to recognize that he will He's establishing his kingdom on this earth now in the time of those kings. We are living in that time. He is bringing his kingdom to this earth. And it's going to look like something. Okay? It's going to look like, it's going to look like Jesus. It's going to look like his love. So Daniel, he fasted. If you read on, and he, he repented. Hear the prayer of thy servant and supplications and cause thy face to shine upon the sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolation. So he's crying out. He's repenting. He's saying, please forgive us, Lord. And he says, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, but I believe it's us, it's, it's the people of America, wherever his children are, and presenting my supplication before the Lord and my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of the beginning, came to me. And then Gabriel goes on to speak to him about the 70 weeks. Okay, so Daniel recognized the promise, and God honored his, as he cried out to the Lord, he sent Gabriel to confirm that. And James, this is probably crazy, but I fully expect Gabriel to show up at my house any day. <laughs> I really do. Because I just believe this is a promise for us. And so when I read that, I know in my heart of hearts. And so then, so in Isaiah chapter 2, and it says, um, and it shall come to pass in those last days that the mountain of the Lord will be reestablished. So you can read that. And that talks about, too, his kingdom being built. So no, is he going to wait until after Jesus returns? No, he's not. He's going to do it now, he, and I believe he's doing it now because I'm seeing it in my small place of the world, in my small community. I believe he's beginning to show us what that looks like. Let's be like Daniel and grab onto these promises and say, Lord, we're going to petition you to come. We're going to petition you to set up your kingdom in the time of these kings right now and show us what that is. Show us what we are to do, Lord. Send the angels to us, whatever you need to do. Let's be like him. One last place, Jeremiah 18. So in Jeremiah 18, it's talking about him reshaping his children. So this is what it says. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. He says, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. That seemed good to the potter to make it. And then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is the potter, clay is in the potter's hand. So are ye in mine, O house of Israel. And I believe what he's saying there is, if we allow him to reshape us, he will. He desires, he's always desired before the fall in the garden, he's desired to shape us, for us to be his children. And so what that looks like is there's fruit in our life, the fruit of the Spirit. Looking like we are walking with the Lord, being transformed into his image will, will not look like all of the sin of the world. It will look like love, joy, that promise I got, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It will look like that. That is who Jesus was. And we will 
as you testified about the these greater works that we will walk in the gifts of the Spirit because they are given for the edification of the body to build it up for his purposes. And so Jeremiah was no different. He was just a guy. He was just a man. But he was he had set himself and how many stories in the Bible too do we read? They think they're not perfect people. They're just messed up. They're just like all of us. They're just messed up. But God can use even them. Well, Rachel, you've given us a lot of great things there, and I want to say thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us today on our very first Z3 News podcast. I do just want to say to you, James, thank you for the sacrifice that I know that you and your family have made for you to do what God is asking you to do. And we always have a choice in it, and the fact that you have humbled yourself and come before him and just laid your own life down to walk in the destiny he has for you it's allowing so many others, including me, to do that same thing. And you and your life, you're an encouragement to me. Oh. And I just want to thank you really from my whole heart. Oh, thank you um, very much for that. That's, that's really encouraging. And, yeah, and thank I, you, I know you it's too. Not easy. Well, you, you've been awesome. It's just such an encouragement to me to see how you hear God and you're just willing to say whatever he says, you know, because he's told you some pretty <laughs> amazing stuff. You know, know. <laughs> that you, a lot of people wouldn't want to repeat that. But uh, I'm so thankful that you're willing. And even in your comments, though, I just really I've been so impressed with the way you handle yourself. Some of these comments, I just want to reach through the computer and slap somebody. But <laughs> Well, I think you do a good job of not letting a lot of those comments come through. And I appreciate that. So we don't have to see, you know, the real crazies out there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for your encouragement, too. It's all God. He, you know, I know what he's done in my life. And a few years ago, I was just an absolute mess. I mean, I was so in this world and of it. And, oh, he has delivered me. And I know he's not done with me yet, but it's all his, you know, testament to how much he loves us, that he would even hang in there with me this many years and not give up on me. So I just praise him. I love him. I I can't even imagine that. I mean, I picture you with like a halo over your head and angel wings. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I seriously, I was one of those, I was one of those people. um, I know the Lord showed me that the spirit of Jezebel operated it very, and it goes back generationally. He showed me all that, the generation after generation. And so I had to be delivered of that, you know, and it's funny because it happened in a dream. I had a dream about this octopus that I had to pull out through my nose. (laughs) And it was so weird. And when I got it out, I saw it and it was trying to get back in. And it was like, I had to go put it somewhere where it could never come back in. Wow. And when I woke up, I was like, oh, what was that like? (laughs) And I, I, this was a while back and I looked in the dream book and the first thing was Spirit of Jezebel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that's what it was, Lord. Thank you. And I praise him, and now I can see it. When, you know, you've seen it, now I can see it in others so easily. Mm. And, um, you know, I just know it's not who they are. It's not who they were created to be. It's, it's the enemy and how he operates. And when we, when we have a place in our heart that's broken, he just has a right to come in. But if our hearts are whole, he doesn't have a right anymore. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long. <laughs>